feisty, fearless, and fair, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Tonight, we are going to talk about the massive crime spree that has been taking place across this country. And the latest sad case is a shocking one of a man who was visiting his son over the weekend. And it was sort of parents weekend at Marist College. Two homeless guys open fire. One fires dozens of rounds. And the father, a 53-year-old Long Island man, Paul Coots, dies in the crossfire, a random act. And just about a minute, we are going to have former NYPD Commissioner Howard Safer to get his take on what seems to be an escalating trend of random violence. This happens. The woman gets beaten in the Queens subway station. We've all seen the videotape. Also, the EMT gets stabbed to death. She's going to be buried tomorrow, the funeral tomorrow. There are so many cases of violent crime happening in New York and other cities across this country. And meantime, there's a whole bunch of liberal politicians still pushing for defund the police. First, this case of this Long Island dad. He's in a Marriott hotel grabbing coffee and checking out of the hotel. And suddenly two homeless men, guess what, prior records, open fire on each other. He is caught in the crossfire, gets shot, and dies. What a horrible, horrible, stunning case of what happened. Take a listen first off to the Poughkeepsie police chief describing the arrest of the first suspect. The shots fired at the Marriott Courtyard located at 2641 South Road. Within approximately five minutes of receiving the call from 911, we had officers on scene. They immediately entered the hotel. One of the first responding officers noticed somebody that was a subject that ran into the courtyard uh, of the hotel. She pursued that gentleman and then uh, taking him down at gunpoint. Uh, before he complied, he reached into a fanny pack and threw uh, an item away from him. That item was later recovered and that turned out to be a handgun. And that man, Roy Johnson Jr., 35 years old, has now been charged with second-degree murder, second-degree criminal possession of a weapon, has a long list of priors. Also, then, a second suspect who was also in the gunfire, remember, he was doing the shooting with him. Suddenly, you're at a hotel, you're visiting for parents' weekend, your son. That's why I think this case has just struck such a nerve Boy, what a random shooting is visiting his child for the weekend on Parents Weekend at college happens across the country. Who would ever think two homeless men would just start opening fire as you're checking out of the hotel? Well, this is what the second suspect, what happened. This is 26-year-old Devin Taylor, also homeless and also a long rap sheet with him, too. Another responding officer that was behind the first officer was entered the Entered the lobby also and out of the corner saw another subject coming down the hallway from the outside parking lot. Uh, she then took that subject down also at gunfight and he complied right away and took him into custody. The victim was transported to uh, Mid Hudson Regional Hospital where he was later pronounced dead. 
What a sad, horrible case. And it just epitomizes crime out of control and innocent people caught in the crossfire. Meantime, police went to the hotel room there that the two men shared, and they discovered some pretty ominous things in that hotel room. Take a listen. The officers on scene continued to secure the hotel. They went to check the room uh, where the two people that were detained knew for welfare to make sure there was nobody injured in that room. And they noticed uh, some suspicious items, some of which to be uh, materials that they determined could be combined to create an explosive. While further cursory look at the room, they also then found manuals that were handbooks on how to make uh, bombs. Manuals to make bombs. What were they planning? Clearly, they were mentally deranged. They claimed they were homeless, but then they were living at the hotel and had a rap sheet a mile long. Why were they out? Why were they able to basically destroy someone's life? Why do they have a rap sheet a mile long and we're walking free and we're planning what's some bombing or something like that? I mean, there is so much more to this story. And take a listen to how Judge Janine Pirro on The Five described her just fed up with these people claiming mental illness. Until we win in November, change cashless bail and deal with the mentally ill. Because these two guys are homeless, they're mentally ill, and they're violent. I don't care if they're mentally ill. Lock them up if they're violent. And joining us now here on the Rita Cosby Show to talk about this case and what is a skyrocketing trend of random violent crime is the former NYPD commissioner, Howard Safer. Commissioner Safer, thanks so much for being here. Good to be with you, Rita. You know, this is such a horrible case, Commissioner. You know, when you sit there and you see this guy, you know, it's like so many parents go for Parents Weekend. It's a very popular time uh, and a joyous time. He's checking out of a hotel. He was grabbing coffee at the time, checking out of the hotel. And suddenly these two guys start opening fire. They get in some argument with somebody there. And he's in the lobby of the hotel, gets shot and killed. Uh, what was just your reaction, first off, to this particular case? Well, you know, this is a terrible tragedy. Uh, this is an innocent person at a happy event, and he ends up dead because we are not dealing with crime. We are basically letting people who should be incarcerated out of jail. Uh, they're getting weapons. They're not afraid of consequences. They're not afraid of the police because of all of these defund movements and uh, changing police tactics from the left. And because of that, uh, crime is running rampant. And you you mentioned uh, the EMT who's being buried tomorrow, another incredible tragedy. Uh, You know, it used to be that most of the crime was criminal on criminal. Now what's happening is innocent people are being collateral damage because criminals are not afraid to carry guns. They're not afraid to shoot people shoot at each other, and if somebody else gets hurt, they don't care. And, you know, we do not have assertive policing like we used to have in New York City, where we made sure that guns were taken off the street, and we made sure that if criminals committed crimes, they stayed in jail. All of that has gone by the wayside, and it's a real tragedy. Yeah, it's a huge tragedy. You know, in this case, too, uh, Commissioner Howard Safer, we're hearing, too, that they found in these guys' room 
um, bomb-making materials and a manual. It sounds like even something more ominous was in the works with them. What were they doing? Well, you know, first, you know, the effect describing them as homeless. Uh, they're staying in a uh, good hotel and obviously paying a, a bunch of money for those rooms. So I wouldn't describe them as, as homeless. But who knows what they were going to do with those bombs. They might be blowing up a school, blowing up a hotel. But the fact is, why are they on the street? They both had long rap sheets. What are they doing? Not in jail. One thousand percent. You know, you brought up the whole defund the police movement. Um, I want to play this clip for you, Commissioner Safer. This is Cori Bush, uh, the congresswoman. She was on Good Morning America today, and they were asking her about it. And, and just listen to her response, and I'll get you to react. Here she is just a few hours ago. You're one of the few Democrats now who still says, let's defund the police. Are you worried at all that that could hurt some of your colleagues going into the midterm elections? See, the, the thing about defund the police is we have to tell the entire narrative. People here defund the police, but you know what they'll say? Say reallocate, say divest, say move. Uh, but it's still the same thing. We can't get caught up on the words. We People spend more time focusing on the word defund than they spend on caring and addressing the problem of police violence in this country. You know, it's amazing when you hear that, Commissioner. What's your reaction? It's like she's like getting caught up in the verbiage, but she's not denying even after skyrocketing violent crime, random crime like this poor father who was just visiting his son. Despite all of that, uh, she's still staying with her defund the police message. Well, that's because she lives in a fantasy land where she's more concerned about criminals than she is about victims. And that's what's happening. We've turned the whole narrative here upside down. Uh, People like her are more concerned about potential police violence or abuse, which really does not take place except in very, very rare cases, rather than worrying about somebody like this poor victim up in Poughkeepsie uh, who was shot randomly because criminals are not afraid to use guns in public. You know, I, I have always said that the only people who should be afraid of police are criminals. And when criminals are not afraid of police, then we have the kind of chaos that we're seeing across this nation. Yeah, 1,000 percent. How big of an issue do you think it is crime right now? And what do you say to people like, you know, uh, New York politician Tiffany Caban, uh, for example, who basically after the recent uh, beating, I should say, of that woman in the Queen's subway. Remember the um, airport worker who was beaten randomly by a guy, another deranged man, Um, with a criminal rap sheet again. Um, But in that case, she came out, she even represents that area of Queens and said, oh, subway, you know, subway crime, you know, it's it's exaggerated. It's not that bad. It's one in a million. Um, You know, what what do you say? She's another defund the policer like Cori Bush. What do you say to these politicians who continue to minimize crime and don't want to talk about it? You know, it's like it's like and and I, I find it so disrespectful at a time right after these shootings and all these things happen and that beatdown happens. They're still pushing this defund the police message. It's like, what planet are they living on? Well, exactly. They're in a fantasy land. And the fact is, if you look at subway crime in New York, I think it's up like 35 or 40 percent. Uh, crime overall, I think, is up 30 something percent. And, you know, that that means that the potential for being a victim is increased tremendously. And what's happening because police are not being backed because they're talking about 
prosecuting more police than prosecuting victims. Uh, police officers who used to be assertive and used to prevent crime and now just responding to crime. And, you know, that's a failure. When you're responding to crime, somebody's been a victim. What we used to do is proactive policing. where We made sure that the streets were safe and that criminals knew that if they committed a crime, not only would they be arrested, but they would end up in jail and they would be accountable. None of that is happening in, in the way it should be happening today. How do we turn this around? Um, and how do we also make sure that we stop vilifying police officers? Did you see this also, uh, Commissioner? There was also a report recently of this database that they're putting out there. I'm sure you heard about this. It's sort of like a civil liberties group or something that is putting this out of basically of police arrests, anybody complaining about police, uh, information on officers, sometimes salary, sometimes personal information. To me, uh, it really puts our officers at risk. I feel like the hand is tipping the other way, just as you said, vilifying police officers and they're not focused on protecting society. Well, the way to fix it is we have to elect people who are going to make sure that that doesn't happen. We have to do what surprised me, but was the right thing, uh, where they recalled the liberal district attorney in San Francisco because he wasn't prosecuting people. We have too many of these leftist DAs, including uh, the district attorney in Manhattan, who undercharge and underprosecute and let criminals out when they should be in jail. I mean, the fact is, there are people who need to be in jail. There, there are people who cannot be rehabilitated, who are criminals who day after day, that's their job. They go out and commit more crimes and create more victims. And until we realize that those are the people who need to be in jail and stay in jail, we're going to have this issue. Yeah, 1,000 percent. And until we admit, just like you said, there are certain people who... Yes, we want them to get help, uh, but we certainly want to make sure that they are kept away from the rest of society because they're way too dangerous for the rest of us and also too dangerous probably for themselves, too. Um, so it doesn't serve anybody to have them out on the streets. And it's it is just it's preposterous, Howard. I mean, when I sit there and I see over and over again all these recent crimes and there seems to be the spate of just these horrible crimes out of nowhere. Uh, like the EM to, who was stabbed to death, who's going to be buried tomorrow. Here she's walking down the street and some crazy guy comes over and stabs her. Uh, and the fact, if you, again, you look at the background, people were saying, yeah, he used to walk around the neighborhood. He seemed nuts. Well, you know, at some point, don't people need to like speak up and family members and people at large need to speak up? If somebody's nuts, maybe they shouldn't be walking on the street. Absolutely. And the, and the other end of this, which is really sad, is attracting people who want to serve in police departments. Uh, I was looking in one of the papers today, and police departments from all over the country are advertising in New York papers, offering $10,000 bonuses for people to become police officers. Well, you know, the reason you become a police officer is not to earn a lot of money. The reason you become a police officer is because you want to make a difference and you want to protect and serve. And getting those kind of people into the police force with the atmosphere that exists in this country today is going to be near impossible. And instead, we'll be attracting the kind of people who are going to not represent what police should represent. One thousand percent. And we need them now more than ever. This is not the time to be driving them away. And so many of them 
are fleeing the city for either other departments or just leaving the profession, as uh, you know all too well. And to me, it is one of the most important professions and one of the noblest professions ever. Um, Former NYPD Commissioner Howard Saver, thank you so much for being here. We love having you on the show. Well, you could be with you, Rita. Have a good night. Thank you. You too. And when we come back, everybody, we're going to take your calls. You heard what Howard Safer has to say, who has been there on the front lines. It is time to get tough. Those who have mental illness and are a threat to others need to be locked up. We need to get tough. We need to vote out these soft on crime DAs and other politicians. And it's time to crack down because crime is out of control. And many in the policing profession do not want to stay in it because of all the issues that are happening. How do we fix this? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking on the Rita Cosby about crime out of control in major cities across the country. The latest a father going to visit his son for a family weekend at Marist College in upstate New York. And suddenly, two homeless, mentally ill men uh, open fire, and he happens to be in the crossfire of a hotel lobby, a Marriott Hotel, and he's getting coffee, checking out of the hotel. Dozens of rounds are fired, and he is struck and gets killed another random victim of crime. Meantime, Cori Bush, this loony kazuni congresswoman who is major defund the policer, says, you know what? The problem isn't the criminals. She actually blames the police. This is insane in this climate where crime is skyrocketing across this country. How dare she make this comment? She said this just a few hours ago on Good Morning America. Take a listen. The Helping Families Heal Act. What yes. is that? Yes, Helping Families Heal Act. Um, I actually worked on this bill with the mother of Mike Brown, um, who was killed in Ferguson in 2014. Um, worked on it with her because I was out there on the ground. I've worked with her. I worked with other families who have experienced police violence and have been impacted um, so negatively and wanted to make sure that there were mental health resources there for the students, mental health resources there for the families, allocating $100 million to be able to help help those families heal and have those mental health uh, services because there's no government funded program to help those families. And when, when um, in just, la- just in 2021, there were only 15 days where the police did not kill someone. That's a lot of people affected that could use mental health services. How dare she? There are only 15 days when police officer didn't kill someone like they're out there, like in a shooting gallery. What about her condemning the criminals? You never hear her say that. To me, this is one of the most disgusting, shameless comments by a politician ever. And she said this just a few hours ago on Good Morning America. And George Stephanopoulos should have said, excuse me, how dare you? What are you saying to these victims of crime everywhere by these monsters who are repeat offenders who keep getting out and out? No, no, no. She is ready to go on and spew her disgusting rhetoric, blaming the police, talking about police shootings. That is disgusting. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to let's go to Ron real quick. Ron, line four, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. How are you? Good. What do you think? I was just thinking of. 
I'm thinking everyone's talking about the police force, and meanwhile, 1,500 already walked off the job. So I'm like, I'm thinking, what police force? And when that happened, Eric Adams said, well, this is a good thing because now we can hire people that reflect the community and serve the community. And meanwhile, we had a majority minority police force to begin with. No, you're right. Do me a favor, Ron. Stay with us. We're going to go to a break. And I'm going to continue with you on the backside of the break because you bring up a superb point. We need to keep our officers on the force, not scare them away. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Dallas, Texas, where a police officer, Henry Vargas, saved a woman's life last week after pulling her out of a burning truck. A 52-year-old woman is alive after being stuck inside a burning truck seconds before it became engulfed in flames. An off-duty police officer, Henry Vargas, was driving home from his shift and just happened to see the massive flames and rescued her. He said, I saw an explosion in front of me, just a massive ball of fire. And the cab of the truck was crumbled in from the impact, so there was no way to get her out from the driver's side. So Vargas ran to the back of his car. He grabbed his glass breaker and broke a window to unlock the passenger door. The passenger door was nearly stuck, but he pulled the woman out with the help of bystanders. And the 52-year-old woman is still being treated at a hospital, is expected to survive incredibly. Now, Vargas said the word hero has been thrown out there, but I definitely don't see myself as one. I'm just very glad and thankful that I was able to do something at that moment to help that woman. And boy, are we thankful for great police officers like Henry Vargas and so many others across the country that do so much for all of us. And, you know, to me, I am so angry at a whole bunch of this defund the police rhetoric that's out there. I just think it is so dangerous. It is so toxic. And it is so destructive right now where crime is skyrocketing across this country. We see the numbers. Crime and violent crime and random violent crime is up almost in every major city across this country. And it is astounding to me that in this climate, there are still people like a Cori Bush, the congresswoman, who continues to push defund the police, who still stands by that message and says, oh, it's either defund or it's allocate somewhere else. Uh, Don't they look at the numbers? Don't they care what's happening in their own communities? Don't they care about the innocent victims? The latest case, of course, about this guy, Paul Kuntz, who is a father who gets suddenly caught in the crossfire when he's visiting his son on parents' weekend at college, at Marist College. Two homeless guys open fire a dozen rounds in the Marriott Hotel lobby. He's getting coffee, checking out of the hotel, and suddenly he gets killed. And then there's the woman, of course, in Queens who gets beaten almost to a pulp by another homeless man. Uh, What's the consistency? These people clearly are mentally ill, but they're also repeat offenders. So we have to get tough on criminals. It is outrageous that there are politicians in this climate that are sitting there saying, well, we have to reduce the police force, so we have to keep the police force in check. What about keeping the criminals in check? 
We need to get tough on these criminals. And in November, law and order is on the ballot. That is priority number one. There should be nothing else. That, obviously, the economy, there are other issues, but law and order, primary, because if you don't feel safe, it doesn't matter what else. You need to look and say, who's going to keep my family safe? Who's going to keep my business safe? Who is going to do what they can to lock up these repeat offenders that are clearly a threat to society and stop giving them a free pass? That needs to be the priority. And anything short of that, that person should not be reelected and should not be even elected to begin with. The fact that anybody's out there even insinuating defund the police or, you know, maybe we should have still this no cash bail. I wonder what kind of planet are they on? Are they on Mars or are they on Jupiter? Because they're not on planet Earth and they're not seeing the numbers that we're all seeing every single day in every major city across this country. It is time that we've got to get tough on these repeat offenders. And this kind of rhetoric from people like Cori Bush is disgusting. Take a listen. Here again she is today on Good Morning America. You're one of the few Democrats now who still says, let's defund the police. Are you worried at all that that could hurt some of your colleagues going into the midterm elections? See, the, the thing about defund the police is we have to tell the entire narrative. People here defund the police, but you know what they'll say? Say reallocate, say divest, say move. Uh, but it's still the same thing. We can't get caught up on the words. We People spend more time focusing on the word defund than they spend on caring and addressing the problem of police violence in this country. So she's still standing by her crazy, crazy rhetoric. And again, she's highlighting the amount of deaths tied to police officers, not these crazy, loony, kazuni criminals. Take a listen again. The Helping Families Heal Act. What yes. is that? Yes, Helping Families Heal Act. Um, I actually worked on this bill with the mother of Mike Brown, um, who was killed in Ferguson in 2014. Um, Worked on it with her because I was out there on the ground. I've worked with her, I worked with other families who have experienced police violence and have been impacted um, so negatively and wanted to make sure that there were mental health resources there for the students, mental health resources there for the families, allocating $100 million to be able to help, help those families heal and have those mental health uh, services because there's no government funded program to help those families. And when um, in just la- just in 2021, there were only 15 days where the police did not kill someone. That's a lot of people affected that could use mental health services. You know, what would help families heal is you take criminals off the street. Uh, to me, what an insult that she has an act called help families heal that's supposed to protect families from being shot by police. Are you insane? This woman clearly is mentally deranged. I mean, the fact that that is what her focus is, as opposed to random crime, she's not condemning these people who are opening fire on New York subway. She's not condemning these homeless people that are in encampments and shooting people in L.A. She's not doing that. She's talking about the very few times that police officers are killing people, and most often of the time, 99.999, it is self-defense. And it's the last line of defense that they have. So, I mean, are you kidding me? This kind of climate is so destructive, and it's disgusting. This is what Judge Jeanine Pirro had to say. Rest assured that Cori Bush has $300,000, as I recall, uh, spent on her own protection. And yet for the rest of us, every time someone dies or every time someone is victimized, we all come out to the age-old criminal 
perpetrator, whether he's a whether he's a criminal, whether he's mentally ill, whether he's a repeat offender. We know who they are. We just let them out among us and we do nothing about it. And that's the sad part of this whole thing. That is a sad thing of this. To me, it's it's disgusting. It's beyond sad. It is disgusting that she has protection. And yet her focus is helping families that have been shot by law enforcement heal. I wish she would spend one one hundredth of her time helping innocent victims of crime. That to me, this kind of person is so destructive to American society right now. It is outrageous. And in the middle of all this, here is the mother of five, Elizabeth Gomes. Remember, she was the woman at the uh, subway station in Queens. This is her talking today about what happened to her case and what she thinks needs to be done about these loonies out there that are killing and attacking random people. There's a lot of them walking around there everywhere. There, There's a lot of them in the airports that they're hiding away. They're everywhere, you know, and we really need to come down and try to put them somewhere because they're the ones that's really harming the city because they have no self-structure. When you try to get them help, they don't want the help. So we really need to put our foot down in some kind of way to, you know, remove them because it's dangerous out there. We we be scared just going to the store. Cori Bush, how are you going to help her family heal? She's not talking about that. She's talking about these crazy guys who are doing the attack. How do we protect them? Boy, does she have her priorities out of whack. And my thoughts and prayers are with Elizabeth Gomes and her family, because we all saw that beatdown, sadly, that took place at that Queens subway station. Here she is describing what happened to her. Well, you know, I've been in the airport for about 10 years. I've been working there. And this guy just came from off of the train station. I was waiting for the train like I do every morning, and he was just walking back and forth. And he came in the train as me, and before I knew it, You know, this guy hit me from behind with a bottle. Came from behind and hit her with a bottle and then kept attacking her and kicking her over and over again. And she says that the subways, despite what the crazy New York Councilwoman Tiffany Caban says, the subways are a place of lawlessness. Take a listen. I would say that's very ridiculous for her to say that. How could she even say that when 99% of these violence are coming from the subways? There's no help there. There's hardly any kind of cameras or anything there. So how could she even say that, you know, we're just like kind of making these things up? The subway is a very dangerous place. It's hard to get protection. People are throwing each other into the tracks. You're getting sliced in the middle of your ride. So how could they even say something like that? The subways are one of the most dangerous places in New York City, and we need lots of cameras in it. Even inside of the trains, we need the cameras. And we need more officers. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Ann, line eight. Ann, your thoughts? Uh, I'm sorry, Rita, but I'm a little emotional about this. Uh, You do so much good to support the police. And it breaks my heart that they have to deal with having their hands tied and all the stuff is going on. And the homeless, the mentally ill and the criminals walking the streets. And yet the police still nobody's, you know, so few people are supporting them. And I know that I'm retired now. I'm 80 years old and I just retired. And I try like to our local precinct, the one, two, two. Every couple of months, I send them like 40 heroes. 
I have a friend. I just had dinner with her, and she brings donuts to the precinct. Someone in Jersey I know brings pizzas to the staff at, at legislators' offices and to the police station. And I think that you do so much. You give 200% to support the police. And I also think that it's us, the average person that may not even have somebody on the police force or know somebody in their local precinct, just go there. Bring them something. It's something personal. I know that we can always donate money or this. I always wanted to do something that was personal. I don't even bring it. I have the sandwich shop bring it to them, you know, and and we need to show them that those of us in the community, we support them 100%. We have to let them know that we care about them. I love that. And I love what you're saying, because you're right. They need to know. And, you know, when I walk down the street and I see an officer, I say, thank you for your service. We appreciate you. And they go, God, we haven't heard that in a long time. Thank you. I can't tell you how many of them are surprised when I say that or or they hear me on the radio and they know that I'm saying it. But but being told face to face, they just seem so grateful by even the smallest gesture or a sandwich or a donut. Um, and I love what you're doing because they need our support. They've got to like feel like the community has their back when they're going into so many of these difficult situations. Look how tough it is for the average citizen. Uh, You can imagine what it's like for the average law enforcement going in now on any sort of stop because it's just been so dangerous and there's been so much lawlessness. And also they're right now the victims of so many attacks. I mean, we see it too. That's why I hate when I hear this Cori Bush, this congresswoman talking about uh, the number of police attacks, and she's referring to officers attacking victims as if, like, uh, people are just standing there and officers are shooting them for the fun of it. I mean, it's outrageous. Um, and I think that our law enforcement just need to know that there is such moral support, such love for them in the community, and that we are there to protect them and appreciate them. And I bet when they get those sandwiches, Ann, I bet they are so happy uh, have you gotten? Have do you ever get reaction from them when you when you drop off this stuff or when you have the sandwich shop drop it off? Well, it was funny because uh, I I felt like I didn't want this to be about me. I mean, I wanted to thank them, but I didn't want it to be about me. And so I had the sandwich tr- shop, and they were laughing because they said the sergeant came in and he said. I think I would have been arrested if I didn't give your phone number out. Because it's right near the precinct and the, they, everybody knows that everybody there. And, and the sergeant did call me, you know, he'll always make an effort to call me. And, and I always say, you know, you're welcome, but it's just not about me. You have no idea how many people care about you. And, and like I said to you, you know, God bless you for what you do to support them in the military. But like I said, we each in the in each community need to go and just send something, do something, send, you know, pieces, send something, because that's more personal than just writing a check and, well, I'm on Social Security now, so. No, but you you're know, right. You are, ab- big one. and, and yeah. you are absolutely right. And, and that personal touch makes all the difference. And thank you. You are so wonderful. I, I You just put a huge smile on my face, and I'm sure everybody else listening to the show feels the same way. God bless you and all you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ann. Uh, and let's go to Jan, line seven. Jan, go ahead. Your thoughts. 
Uh, hi, Ann. Or Ann. Ann <laughs> was just on. Yeah, Ann was just hi, on. Rita. Exactly. But, and by the way, Ann was great. I feel the same way. I was so moved by her. I love her. Yes, very, very, very sweet. Um, I am. My blood was boiling from what Cori Bush said about Michael Brown. Right. And it's like, did everybody forget? Hands up, don't shoot. And everybody knows that was nothing but a lie. And he's the one that caused his own death. He attacked the officer, tried to grab the gun, you know, to kill the officer. So what is she saying? Absolutely. And by the way, it was Obama's own sort of Department of Justice uh, that cleared the officer. So you can't make it sound like it was like some biased group. Um, yeah. They found that so, that yeah, exactly the hands up, don't shoot, didn't happen. That he was lunging for the gun, and yeah, she makes it sound like uh, police are out there and like shooting up people. The fact, like when I first started hearing her talk and I heard her say "helping heal families heal," I thought for sure she's talking about victims of ri- violent crime. And then she said, "There's only been 15 days when police didn't kill somebody," and this is yeah, somebody but, but who's she, a member she, of Congress. Jan, shame on her. She specifically brought up Michael Brown. I know. You know, she's been working. And it's like everybody knows that's one of the biggest lies out there. So why is she doing this? Does she think, and also, too, who was interviewing, why didn't they call her on the carpet about that? One thousand percent. And that's why I said there should have been a follow-up question saying, excuse me, Michael Brown blank. And do you really think police officers, What what's your message to victims? that police officers are saving lives of every single day. Uh, She should have been grilled. I would love to have talked to her because, boy, I would have called her on the carpet. I think she is a shameless politician and one of the most dangerous politicians out there. Uh, Jan, thanks so much. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about liberals minimizing crime. Here is Jimmy Fallon on Fox talking about just that. Take a listen. What we've watched as a whole is a society that's let itself go because we have a lot of progressive policies that have demonstrated more empathy for the criminal than the law-abiding citizen. Think about it this way if you're watching at home. When we were kids, we played a game called Cops and Robbers. And the cops were always the good guys, the robbers were always the bad guys. Okay, in the modern version of Cops and Robbers, we're showing a lot more empathy in the past two years for the robbers. Okay, we're letting them out of jail, and we're doing so in the name of what? Protecting minority communities. But when you look at the high rates of criminal recidivism, who are they ultimately harming, specifically the minority communities? And Jesse Waters on Fox also said that Democrats, even those who want to be more moderate, are afraid to. Take a listen why. If you're a normal Democrat in a city where the crime is happening and you say we got to get tough on crime, we got to fund the police, you're going to get primary by a squad. Now, the squad is poisoned because they've come in with these left wing ideologies and some of it's socialism and white supremacy. And that gets traction. But that's all theoretical. Their public safety policies are dangerous and they're literally killing people. So the Democrats have to be strong. And now they say you have to to weed out these MAGA extremists from the Republican Party. The Democrats have to purge the squad extremists from the Democratic Party because they are literally getting people killed. Absolutely. It is outrageous. That kind of rhetoric emboldens the criminal against law enforcement. 
and perpetuates this cycle. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go back to Ron. Uh, Ron, your thoughts. We were talking about how police, um, many of them are just walking off the job. Yes, we lost 1,500, and um, a retired cop told me that in my ear that we're going to lose another 1,500. And then you have Mayor Adams, who said that's a good thing because we can hire police that are now and make a diverse police force. Meanwhile, it was already diverse. It was majority-minority police force. Now, the people that were fired by a judge order have to be rehired if they were fired because they didn't take the vaccine. So he comes out and says, if I win an appeal, you're fired again. So what kind of recruitment tool is that? So I'll let I'll hang up and let you answer that on the radio. Yeah, you know Thank what? You very much. I agree with you. It's outrageous. And I was seeing also, and we're going to talk about this, Ron. You just hit a topic that I'm going to touch on in the next hour. Uh, that there are literally thousands upon thousands, um, law enforcement and also members of the military that are about to get the boot because they have not been vaccinated. I mean, how outrageous is that? Uh, they're not able to come back to the force. Some of these people have been down in Florida helping people, rescuing people. There was a Coast Guard guy who literally knocked down a door, got an elderly couple out that were in their wheelchairs, saved them, and he's getting the boot because he's not vaccinated, and yet our migrants are just walking across the border. They don't have to show that they're vaccinated. They're never checked. Their criminal records are not checked. I mean, the double standards is disgusting. And at this point, you know, Joe Biden said basically the uh, coronavirus is over. So why are they even enforcing this craziness about law enforcement, about military, that they have to be vaccinated? Do you think those people who were rescued in, you know, Florida after the hurricane were like, wait a minute, don't come into the house and save us unless you're vaccinated? Do you think anybody asked if they had a vax card or not? I mean, that is preposterous. We've got to, like, get back on track and make sure that we start backing our law enforcement and our military because they are the best of all of this. And this is just outrageous. I mean, some of these double standards are disgusting. And by the way, uh, also in the next hour, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, is now sending the National Guard to protect the migrant tent city. It was moved because the place wasn't good enough for the migrants. So now it's moved to another place. Talk about crazy double standards. We're going to continue talking about crime, that, and a lot more after the break. Stay with us, everybody. A lot more ahead on The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. talking about the escalating crime wave across this country, so much so uh, that the parents of murdered FDNY paramedic approach Mayor Eric Adams of New York at their daughter's wake, which took place last night. Tomorrow is going to be the funeral. Eric Adams will be speaking at the funeral. This is the woman who was fatally stabbed in broad daylight by a repeat offender, a guy who never should have been out, uh, had clear mental issues, came up upon her and just started stabbing her 
and stabbed her to death in the afternoon when she was going for lunch. It's unbelievable. So the parents of uh, the slain paramedic went over to the former NYPD commissioner turned mayor and said, you know, you know what to do. Weren't you a police officer for 30 years? They asked Mayor Eric Adams, and he said, yes. Well, you know what to do. Please give me back my city. That was from the mom of Lieutenant Russo, Allison Russo Elling, who was slain in the afternoon just walking down the street. And crime is no doubt a huge issue. A new Monmouth University poll shows that 72% of Americans believe that crime is an enormous issue in this country. And that's why it is so important that you see who supports law enforcement and who is supporting the revolving door of criminals. Take a listen. Here is Judge Jeanine Pirro saying it's time. We got to get tough. How many people have to suffer at the hands of the left and this so-called social justice? How many people have to die at the altar of cashless bail? Whether it's someone who's a father at a weekend, college weekend, with it visiting his son, or whether it's someone who's going at 5 a.m. to her job on the uh, subway, the train, uh, the plane, I should say, who gets kicked in the head repeatedly, or if it's a woman pushing a baby in a carriage who gets shot in the back of the head. How many of us have to suffer while the left continues to promote these kinds of nonsensical theories that have nothing to do with reality? And this is what Kayleigh McInerney, former Trump press secretary, said about what's on the ballot in the midterms. Democrats, you've got to beware here because victims are going to hold you accountable. Not just victims, voters are going to hold you accountable. The Monmouth poll that came out yesterday, top issue, 82 percent inflation. Number two issue, 72 percent crime. The number two issue in this country, and in some polls, it is the number one. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Bob. Line three. Bob, your thoughts about all this. Hi, I couldn't agree more with Janine Puro. If you Google the Charles Campbell shooting, that's... Bob, 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 call back another time. Let's go to Ross uh, on line seven. Ross, go ahead, Ross. Yeah, good evening, uh, Rita. It's There's so much to say. I'll, I'll try to be as succinct as I can. I see the problem. It, 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 this country is being destroyed, not only internationally, domestically, and even down to the local level. Like we've been, We're in a psychosis, it seems to me. And maybe perhaps if we ever get through this, um, let me just sidestep for a minute. I think our biggest problem is we're on the verge of nuclear war. But that aside, as far as uh, the criminal element and the crime problem and everything else, is, if we ever get through this, we're going to look back and, and, and say, like, what the hell were we thinking about? How are we allowing this to happen to our families, to our children, and to our cities? Right. And, and, we- and how are there people who still wake up and still believe in defund the police, Ross? Isn't that astounding in this climate? It's astounding that law-abiding citizens cannot go about their business, their lives. You just want to raise your children, go to work, go to school, whatever you have to do. And we have to be in fear continually. And, and, and our so-called leaders who who think that they are rulers, that, that you know, forget that they work for us, totally ignore it. And you have these mayors and leaders all over the country, Lori Lightfoot, and, and 
Gavin Newsom in California. And this now we get the National Guard called out to deal with illegal immigrants when we had the country was burning down a few years ago by Black Lives Matter and Antifa. And nobody called the National Guard. And again, the law-abiding, tax-paying citizen had to go around in, in, in this fear of even just it, it started even if you were a Trump supporter that you were just randomly attacked, and um, you know, and, and the leadership is gone in this country. Our president, it's not about him being inept. I think he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do to take America down. It's just like a, a communist takeover. It, well, it does certainly feel rudderless. I will tell you that, and and I don't think that he's running the country. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who are assisting him in this mission, uh, whatever that mission is, because it doesn't seem to be working, as you definitely suggest, Ross. Uh, let's go to Alfred. Alfred, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say we're, we're being destroyed by by the enemy from within. And, um, you know, it's 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 just um, uh, it's getting it's terrifying with all the crime and everything. And um I could say it as a male, you know, as a male, it's um, it's certainly not a pleasant feeling, you know, to know that the police are being like demoralized and, and delegitimized and everything else. Yeah. And that there are people who still with a straight face like this crazy Cori Bush, um, Alfred, who just a few hours ago, she was on Good Morning America talking about all the police killings. And, you know, we're talking about that with police pulling the trigger. And to me, it's astounding that ABC didn't say, uh, excuse me, you know, this is Good Morning America. Uh, what about all the escalating crime? I mean, she didn't get any pushback either, and that's a scary thing too. And and what planet does she live on if she doesn't see what's going on? And it's and you're going to put, put it all on the police? Right. You know? well, well, you know what's interesting, Alfred? She lives in the planet where it's good for her. But she doesn't want it for others because we know that she spent, I think it was somewhere between three and four hundred thousand uh, for police protection. And she claims that she would not get rid of it because she deserves it so she could carry the message of defund the police to others. I mean, what a hypocrite, Alfred. The epitome of it. <laughs> Believe me. And, and it's just so sad how we're losing this country. It is. And it, it breaks my heart. Alfred, thank you thank very you. much. Uh, let's thank go to Rick. Line three. Rick, your thoughts. Um, Rick, what do you think about all this? I have to deal with the fact that they're doing this all on purpose. It's, you know, destroying America so they can remake it in their new Marxist image. So you think this is sort of part of a, a master plan? Uh, by the way, I mean, if you listen to Cory Bush and Ilhan Omar and AOC, it's like, uh, you know, it's it's astounding the disrespect they have for law enforcement, uh, the appreciation they have for criminals like Michael Brown. Um, it's like it's like a, it's almost like a, like a crazy movie. If somebody wrote it, you would say, oh, God, that's a great movie. We're like, you know, the, the nuts take over the country, you know. Um, I mean, this is really frightening, I think, Rick. And I think um, I just think it's downright dangerous at a time like this where the numbers are so blatant and so obvious, Rick. All the blood from these repeat offender attacks are on their hands. Well, that's why people, when they go to the booth, law enforcement, you have to say, wait a minute, uh, who will protect us? Who is law and order? Who puts law enforcement first? 
Um, and who puts them last? And guess what? If they put them last or you're not even sure, forget it. They don't deserve your vote. That's the bottom line. Rick, thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Steve, line seven. Steve, your thoughts. Yeah, hi. Uh, more, more of a problem than even the criminals are the politicians. That They should be the a, a target of uh, a wholesale uh, uh, attack against these uh, criminals in uh, political clothing anyway. They are the monsters that are destroying this country from within, and they should be called out in a very vociferous manner by every uh, every uh, organization possible. Anyway, until we do that, we are not going to get to the root of this problem because we have a psychosis amongst these politicians. They're not even psychosis. They're just basically playing to their audience to the detriment of the people, and they know it, and they're guilty. They are criminals themselves. Well, and there needs to be protests. I'm, I'm surprised that there haven't been, and I'm all for peaceful protests, um, outside some of their offices, outside the courthouses, outside some of the others, because who in their right mind thinks it's a good idea to defund police right now? I mean, I, I mean, talk about putting salt in the wound. Uh, Steve, thank you very much. Let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Dave, your thoughts. Hi, Ray. Thanks for taking my call. I, I just thought that, you know, listening to the interview with George uh, Stephanopoulos and uh, Corey Bush, and, you know, how the media is enabling. They're like the greatest enablers, not holding her accountable and contributing to the this uh, sympathy for an apathy for the criminal. Uh, they need to, you know, I, I almost credit them or give them, they deserve as much of the blame by not fulfilling their you know, journalistic principles uh, and fulfilling the fourth estate responsibility. No, I agree, Dave. I think that there's a lot of people in the media that give these people a free pass or are of a similar mindset and think that whatever they're saying makes sense uh, and just live in their own little bubble and don't realize how insane it is and don't talk to average Americans. Um, so, I mean, I think that there's so many issues right now uh, that contribute to this. And you're right. I think uh, in many, many ways, uh, the media has gone soft. It's a great point. Uh, let's go to Stan in Forest Hill. Stan, go ahead. How are you? How are you? Good. What okay. do you think, Stan? Uh, I support the police overall. Uh, but Good. I live in an area, as you know, it's called Forest Hills. I see them standing around a lot. I'm being honest with you. I see them sometimes. But my problem with the police is this. That situation where they're afraid to go do something because they'll get sued. That's the major grunt of the whole situation. They're hesitant about doing anything. So, you know, to some extent, maybe 10 or 12 percent of it, it, it you've got to blame them for not doing it. If they're scared to death to go after it, what does that say? I understand the law has to be changed. I agree. It does. But... What it's well, still what, wearing the uniform. Well, what it what it's what it says. Uniform. Right, well, what it says is, and yes, I do agree. There are some who are hesitant to respond because you're right; they are worried about getting hauled into internal affairs uh, and saying, "Hey, why did you go after this person?" Also, because, like you just said, Stan, the law does need to be changed because right now it's not necessarily supporting the law enforcement. They're afraid of getting sued. They're afraid of spending time doing paperwork. They're afraid of being questioned. Um, they're also afraid of, of being accused of being racist. I mean, if they target the wrong person, I mean, it's like it is unbelievable. And that but that's a small amount. I think still 99 percent of them are still charging and doing the best they can. And yet 
right now, I mean, you just look at some of these cases. I mean, how about the case a couple of weeks ago where we saw that guy who he was trying to stop the uh, the guy who had a repeat record in one of the subway stations, and the guy just starts punching the police officer. It's like there's such a disrespect for law enforcement. You got to admit, it's a very tough time to be a cop, Stan. There's it just, is a tough time you know, to be a they cop. just, there is such disgusting disrespect. And, and this de- defund the police attitude at a time with skyrocketing crime, it's insane. I understand that point of view. Like this, uh, this the EMS worker, that was absolutely disgusting. It's tragic. That guy should hang. The question I want to know is, and I see, I meet police and I say, this guy's looking to steal or do something. They say, don't do anything. Okay, what are you going to do? Am I the cop? Am I wearing, if they're not going to do anything, Rita, not all of them, you know, if they're not going to do anything, take off the badge and take off the uniform. But they they also have to change the laws so they feel emboldened that they can respond. And and I, I hear what you're saying, but that is such a small percentage and they also do need to change this situation that they have their back. Because right now, a lot of times they are single patrols. That's not fair. They need to have double patrols everywhere they go. And they got to also have somebody. They got to be able to, like, make sure that somebody has their back when they're out there because they are targets. And, boy, is that a sad situation. I just, I just think it's one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult job out there. And so my thoughts and prayers are with them. Uh, Stan, thank you very, very much. Let's go to Jerry, line seven. Jerry, your thoughts. Hi, hi, hi Rita. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I love your voice, number one. Thank you. And <laughs> number one, I love your background, Polish and 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 everything. It's 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 so am I. Thank so, you. Uh, no uh, wonder I love you, Jerry. No wonder. Go ahead. <laughs> Hey, my last name was Novak. Hey, so, I, my dad um, was Kazabutsky. Hey, Kazabutsky. That's what the full name was. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I have always been Cosby, but my dad was Kazabutsky when he came over to uh, to America. They changed their name, literally, my parents, the night before they became U.S. citizens. After they spent hour, you know, hours and years and countless time learning the language, doing it the right way. And they became official citizens after five years. Well, we've been listening to you today. Me and my partner, Rick, have been listening to you for the last year, and we adore every show that you, you've you had. And uh, I Thank have you. been living this. Oh, anytime, honey. Uh, we have been uh, living in this neighborhood for 40 years. I've never locked my door. I've never locked my windows. I live in a nice side of of Queens. Okay. And now I find myself locking the door, checking the cars every day, making sure the tires aren't uh, slashed, uh, which happened just a couple of weeks ago in Bayside on Bell Boulevard. And, you know, I I just feel like, I just feel like everything's changed. I know I'm, I, I know I'm old. Uh, uh, I I know things have changed, but yet again, at the same time, it's just like. Uh, no, times have changed, Jerry. Times. And how sad is that, that for the first time you've got to lock your doors? Uh, and I think it's a reasonable thing. Sadly, I just think there are so many issues. There are so many loonies out there and it's happening in so many cities across the country. Yeah. You know, I call them the loony kazoonies because. 
I think, and I think at a point too, we got to lock them up. I just think, I think we have to say, yes, we want to help them, but we also need to put them in a place where they cannot harm themselves and certainly can harm others. And at a time where crime is escalating, safety for everybody, including you and Rick and everybody else, that is a priority. Jerry, thank you very much with a great Polish last name, too. Thanks so much. And we're going to continue with your calls, everybody. one 800 848 The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Coming up in the next half hour, we do our support to our heroes, where we honor our great military and their families. And also, we're going to be talking to the great dog guru known as the Dog Whisperer, very well known, Caesar Milan, who is going to talk about his amazing journey to America. We celebrated Hispanic Heritage Day on the flagship station, WABC, here. And I interviewed him asking about his journey to America. It's really extraordinary. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about the big news that Governor Kathy Hochul has now decided to call the National Guard to protect and run that tent city where the migrants will be housed in New York. What do you think about that? That and a lot more after the break. Meantime, we are talking about crime in America, so much random crime and these liberal politicians, oh, all they are saying is defund the police. Shame on them. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Marianne, line seven. Marianne, your Hi, thoughts. Oh, how are you, Rita? Nice talking with you, and I, I love you. <laughs> I like the conversation that you have with uh Gentleman from your country was wonderful. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Marion, so much. What What do you think about crime and just how well, tough it is for to be an officer now? Well, let me tell you, um, Rita. I have family living in the Spanish Harlem and Washington Heights, so they are witness of what happened before Giuliani was elected. They will throw the police from the rooftops. They were crime all over, right? Because they did not respect the police until Giuliani got there. Giuliani, let me tell you, with a stop and frisk, everybody loved him because that was enough for uh, for people to live with, you know, with protection at least. But let me tell you, if the police do not have a law that protects them, I don't blame them. Like Stan said, some some of them do not go, but why? Because they are killing them. They are setting traps for them, and they put them in jail. And they, you know, they even they're making lawsuits against them. No, you're but absolutely right. Marianne, you're absolutely right. We have to protect our law enforcement and let them know we have their support. We have their back. That is so key. Much more after the break. Thank you, Marianne. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, a powerful story coming from Canandaigua, New York, uh, where a Korean War veteran, Edward Penrose, who turns 90 this December, was the guest of honor at a recent ceremony held at a continuing care center. He's lived at a skilled nursing home facility for about three years, and he was honored by representatives of the American Legion Post just recently with a certificate of membership. And they basically said, this is for your grateful, faithful service and dedication to the allegiance of the ideals of the American Legion. Penrose wore his Legion uniform. I love this for the ceremony. He raised his hand in salute during the Pledge of Allegiance. And he joined, by the way, the Legion post there 60 years ago. I would say he deserves Definitely recognition for that. He was one of six children, and he grew up in Rochester, spending summers at the lake area, fishing with his older brother. He was a graduate of Monroe High School. He went to Korea with the Army in 1950, returning in 1953. And during the service, the administrator at the care center said, I understand the commitment and the sacrifice And I appreciate everything you did for us. How beautiful to see him honored in such a magnificent way. Well, by the way, our flagship station here, WABC Radio in New York, we celebrated Hispanic Heritage Day today. And we were interviewing a whole bunch of very well-known individuals of Hispanic descent. I had the privilege to talk to Cesar Milan. I've interviewed Caesar before. He's a really interesting guy. Uh, You may know him as the Dog Whisperer. He has a very, very famous TV show, uh, Dog Guru, Mexican-American dog trainer, uh, Emmy-nominated TV series, The Dog Whisperer with Caesar Milan. He's also a New York Times bestselling author. And he has an amazing story of how he made it to America. He is a Mexican-American And here is the interview I did a little bit earlier with Cesar Milan celebrating his heritage and his extraordinary story of survival and his appreciation of what this country, America, means to him. Take a listen. And everybody, today is Hispanic Heritage Day here on 77 WABC, honoring Hispanic Americans and their contributions to this great country. I am Rita Cosby, and I am here with Cesar Milan, who is widely known for his Emmy-nominated TV series, Dog Whisperer, with Cesar Milan, and an incredible broadcaster, and has done so much in the Hispanic community and all communities across this country. Cesar Milan, great to have you here on Hispanic Heritage Day. Thank you very much for having me, and thank you for honoring my heritage. You know, your heritage, it's an amazing story, first off, how you came to America. Share that journey with all of us. Well, I think um, it's something that I share with a lot of people that came to America, right? Everybody immigrated to this beautiful land, and we all are here to contribute with something to make this land uh, uh, the greatest in the world. So 
for me, was contributing to the connection, communication, and relationship with dogs. America was already in love with a dog, but they needed that, that, that natural, simple, profound approach that I learned, you know, in Mexico. And that's something I learned from my grandfather, you know, as a, and, and my culture. Uh, we're blessed to be raised by our grandparents, by, you know, by, by, by our fathers and mom. And, and coming from a, from a third world country, it really gives you the opportunity to, to be raised by the pack, you know, with the, with the traditions, with the cultural background, with all the respect and the honor, uh, the, and the passion and, you know, and the belief system that we all uh, practically practice every single day, you know. And then we bring that to, to this beautiful country, and, and, and that's the magic. And, and so that's the magic. That's all I can say about that. I also heard of your journey, your incredible journey to this country. When you were um, 21 years old, you spoke no English. Talk about just even the physical journey of how you got here and how tough it was when you first came to this country. Well, it's definitely not easy <laughs> to come from uh, Sinaloa, Mexico, and take a, a bus from uh, at 21 years old and on December 23rd with only $100 in, in the bottom of my foot. Um, with the dream of becoming the best dog trainer in the world. And the only way to come to America is by, you know, illegally uh, coming to it. It took me two weeks for me to jump the border. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's definitely a, a life and death situation at the border. It's, it's not a, an easy activity to practice. It's, it's, uh, your life has been at risk every single day. And, you know, and not having money or family or, or, uh, or, um, you know, understanding the language it was definitely another barrier that I needed to jump and I needed to to work on. So, but you know, thanks to to the hard work and thanks to my uh, passion to animals and you know and and the, again, America was already in love with a dog. I just helped them to understand them better and to connect better. And and then from you know uh, being a, an immigrant, I became a resident and then an American citizen. And now. I can say that I contribute to America and to the rest of the world. And you certainly do in a big way. You know, Caesar, I also want to just talk about how when you first came here, as you mentioned, you didn't have a lot of money. It was really tough. You really worked extremely hard. What You were living, uh, what, it was in a subway or a car, like you were, you were really, it was tough times. Well, you know, one thing I'm going to say is, is you know, coming from Sinaloa is, is tough already. <laughs> Over there, so coming to America and living under a bridge, and you know, and having opportunities. This is a land of opportunities, and especially for hardworking people with a good attitude and you know, being positive about things, uh, is uh, people really welcome me, you know. And so it's definitely tough not having the family, but uh, definitely the uh, the aspect of living in the streets and all of that. I never saw it as a as a bad thing, I saw it like I was a tourist, you know, as a, like, a, like I was backpacking or something like that. Backpackers do it all the time. They sleep on the floor. But, you know, immigrants, we have to sleep on the floor. We have to sleep whatever is allowed. And, you know, and for me, I slept under a bridge for two months, and that was my home. But I never felt like homeless. I, I just felt like I was, uh, that was my one of the steps that I needed to do. And, and um, you know, I watch cars and I watch dishes and I learned, my first sentence that I learned was, do you have application for work? And so I started, you know, uh, uh, blending in, in, in the culture and understanding the culture and respecting the culture. 
Wow, what an incredible story. Everybody, we are talking to acclaimed broadcaster known as the Dog Whisperer, Caesar Milan, uh, here on Hispanic Heritage Day. I want to ask also, Caesar, what America means to you, because you're talking about this incredible journey to come to this country, just how difficult it was. Why did it mean so much for you to come to this country? What do you think America means? Well, you know, for Mexico was like my mom, right? She nurtures, she nurtured my skills, my ability, and America gave me the direction. It's like my father, right? So you need those two, those two figures in life, you know, to guide you in life. Somebody needs to nature you. Somebody have to nurture you. And so growing up in Mexico, you know, uh, my family nurtured my connection with animals. You know, they told me never to work against Mother Nature. And then America said, well, this is what you can do. This is how you do it. So it gave me the direction, right, direction, and it protected uh, 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 my skills. And then, you know, eventually National Geographic gave me an opportunity, and then and then everything is history. So you need the two role models in life, you know, your father figure and your mother figure. So to have those two countries and see them uh, as, as my parents are, are uh, you know, the land, the land, the land is, is, is part of uh, some kind of connection. Absolutely. Well, Cesar Milan, it is so great to have you here celebrating Hispanic Heritage Day and just showcasing great Hispanic Americans like yourself and uh, and highlighting uh, the best of both. It's really, really, really beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it, Rita. Thanks for the opportunity. And really great to hear his journey. And listen, I don't begrudge the people wanting to come to America. It is the greatest country in the world. But now we have to figure out how to protect our borders. We have to think about vetting people. I was talking about how the fact that they're not vetting them at the border. And some of the new numbers are stunning because they're about to discharge. This is unbelievable. 19,460 active servicemen are about to be discharged because they're unvaccinated. They're not checking the migrants when they're crossing the border, but they're about to let go active duty service people because they are not vaccinated. This doesn't make sense. And now it's really interesting because Mayor Eric Adams is complaining about the thousands that have come to a city. Basically, the border gets thousands every day, but he's going, oh, no, 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 I can't handle it. It's way too many. We, you know, and already he's talked about putting up this tent city. He got a lot of flack for having the tent city and Orchard Beach. Now it is moving to another location, Randall's Island, because there was some flooding. It was low lying in Orchard Beach. AOC said Orchard Beach is not nice enough, basically, for the migrants. And the late breaking news in just last few hours, Governor Kathy Hochul is ready to send the National Guard to provide logistical and operational support to New York City's center, this tent city, the new one when it gets set up. Take a listen. Here is Mayor Eric Adams basically saying it is just out of control. I don't want us to underestimate the unprecedented influx, you know, to get 400 people come to our shelter system or come here from outside the city needing shelter back to back days, that flow is beyond our imagination as a city. 
And Mayor Eric Adams also said the right and the left are to blame about what's happening with immigration. This is a perfect time to, to really state that I don't know if you have really picked up what's happening. The far right is doing the wrong thing. The far left is doing nothing. I mean, the silence, I don't believe the silence that I'm hearing. These are people in need of services. And I am not hearing from the two ends of the spectrum. Far right is doing what's wrong. Far left is doing nothing at all. It is time for us to address this in a unified um, way. And that's what we're doing, this administration is doing, and we should not be doing it alone. But he's not calling out President Joe Biden and the open border. Uh, But he is saying everybody needs to get involved, but doesn't call out the president. Here's a little more of the mayor. Everyone needs to be in this game. Everyone should be on all hands on deck. Everyone. Not sitting back and throwing rocks. A rock is not a plan. Everyone should be on deck helping this crisis right now. And by the way, just to add another little sliver to this, Montgomery County, New York, is now getting flights coming in. They're not coming from Governor Abbott. They're not coming from Governor DeSantis. They're coming from the Biden administration. Remember how they were being snuck in into Westchester County Airport and into Nashville and all these other airports across the country? Well, they were sort of being snuck in the other day into Montgomery, New York, Orange County, New York, a different location. And three flights apparently came last week. Most of them were unaccompanied minors. A lot of them were girls that had, quote, sponsors. Boy, does that sound like a formula for disaster. You can imagine who's sponsoring some unidentified, unaccompanied uh, migrant gal from Guatemala. You know, Uh, I want to see that uh, pervert, you know, (laughs) I mean, pretty much. My goodness. That's a scary proposition. And listen to the guy. This is a resident who filmed the flight coming in. Again, this is not Governor Abbott. This is from the Biden administration. Take a listen to the play-by-play from this guy. At Orange County Airport in Montgomery, New York, Ace Airways has just delivered another load of undocumented illegal aliens to our area. And... There's a bus waiting outside for them that will take them to who knows where. And this is the bus. They unloaded all kinds of um, luggage, looked like it was issued, black canvas bags. I can't imagine that everybody happened to purchase the same bag. Yeah, lo and behold, and here is what Westchester, former Westchester County Executive Rob Astorino, remember who saw those flights coming into Westchester? This is what he had to say about the Biden administration and these new secret flights that are flying in. Again, Mayor Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, other people, they're not complaining about them. They're not saying a word. They're just upset about the ones coming from Texas because it's Governor Abbott or DeSantis. But they're not saying a thing about anything coming from the Biden administration. And Rob Astorino says, what a bunch of hypocrites. It's the fentanyl. It's the drugs coming into all of our communities. And I feel bad for these these kids who are coming in. Of course, 
everyone would want to come into America, right? And, and these kids are in terrible economic conditions, all these migrants who are coming across the border uh, for the most part. But there are also bad people coming across from all the, around the world. And we have uh, our own government aiding and abetting criminal behavior and, and giving them transportation to wonderful destinations like New York and then starting their life and telling them, don't worry about it. If you ever show up in court, just blend in and we'll make sure you, you have a, a happy life here in America. It is stunning. So why aren't they complaining about Joe Biden sending them in, especially unaccompanied females, unaccompanied males, but mostly young women who have, quote, sponsors? Who are these sponsors? Are we vetting them? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tony, line eight. Tony, your thoughts. Hey, you know, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Um, But it, it is really... Uh, just the epitome of hypocrisy. Well, I was sort of going through what was happening uh, from Orchard Beach to Norwegian Cruise Lines, and then now we're coming to Randall's Island. I was talking to a friend of mine. We just were doing the research about what's actually on Randall's Island. It's really a disgrace because it's really an island. It's not like an area that's sort of... um, off off of the water it's an island is surrounded by water which is kind of not a good place to put unvetted people and protect them but what what i noticed when i got to the bottom of the piece on it is that it is home to our new york fire department academy did you know that yeah you know what i did and i also know that it's where there's a lot of sports teams like kids sports there's a lot of sports competitions with kids that go to randall's island that's not a good idea either you know what? 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 Our person Ocasio Cortez wanted to make nice for them on an island, which is probably really not that secure, is all the sports stuff. But B, after all that just went down with our Lieutenant Russo, who was assaulted and killed this past week, last week, who was from NYPD, uh, I think it's a disgrace that you're now putting all these. I don't even know if he thought about it because he doesn't really think to put all these criminal elements with some a lot of good people that are immigrants as well. But putting them all together on the same place where we are training, you know, and to cause a potential hazard for them as well as anybody else who's on that island. No, that's and a great a, that's a great point, Tony. And by the way, there's also like an insane asylum there, too. <laughs> so uh, to really mix everything up. Uh, boy, is that like a uh, uh, just a formula for disaster. And they are now putting uh, National Guard. There is word that 100 reservists are going to be mobilized and they're going to be assisting with the logistical and operational support of this 10 city. And I can also promise you guys, this 10 city, there's going to be many 10 cities. Whether they're all on Randall's Island, we don't know. Maybe that's the other thing. It's like, let's kind of put it out of there where nobody else will see it. Uh, But I think there's going to be a lot of 10 cities before this is over. And uh, the people in the Bronx in Orchard Beach, they didn't want it. They didn't want it. They were going crazy. You know, and AOC was like, oh, it's not good enough for them. Uh, These people were sleeping under a bridge. They were coming here. They broke the law. And she's worried about making sure that they get the best accommodations. What about our homeless veterans? 
What about the fact that a whole bunch of people are about to be fired because they haven't been vaccinated? Boy, are there problems. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show. And we are talking about Randall's Island, by the way, which is now going to be the home of a new tent city for migrants because Orchard Beach, all the people around there raised holy heck. And now the National Guard's being called to protect them on Randall's Island. Uh, let's go to Jason. Line eight. Jason, your thoughts. Hey, how you doing? Good, good, good. What's your reaction to Randall's Island? Yeah, so I was actually a police officer. It's on the 25th Precinct, uh, covers Randall's Island. Oh, okay, great. And Randall's Island is actually, years ago, was connected by the Army Corps of Engineers to Ward's Island. So it's all one island now. Uh, And Ward's Island has four homeless shelters on the island, which are uh, anywhere between 500 to 1,000-person bed shelters. There's many, many problems with all the homeless people uh, there who are not so much down and out, but are more like drug addicts who are going there from 125th Street and Lexington Avenue to a bus that brings you right over to the to the shelter. So having all these people there and, and then all the homeless people wandering around the shelter system, it's definitely a recipe for disaster over there. That's And I was also hearing, I mentioned this, that there's some an insane asylum or something there, too. Isn't there well, some? Yeah, the New York, yeah, the New York State uh, Home for the Criminally Insane is there. It's just like, but it, that's a secure facility. So no one can get in and out of there. Uh, they have their own police department. Actually, the uh, mental health police are in there. But it's more so um, we're on Ward's Island where the shelters all are, where they roam around all over the place. And there's tons of crimes uh, going over there. Wow, that's really scary. Now, let me, I want to ask you, Jason, what's your reaction to the fact that the National Guard is going to be called out to protect these people? And yet the National Guard wasn't called out during the riots the summer of 2020. I mean, it's a little yeah. ridiculous. What do you think? It's disgraceful. The whole What's going on in the city right now is absolutely disgraceful. It's de Blasio, the cops. I'm retired, but the, I mean, I don't blame the cops now for not, you know, they're being very hesitant to put their hands on anybody with the, um, the law set up now. You could lose everything you have in a split second. And it's, it's you know, it, it's terrible, really, what they did. It, it, and it all falls on de Blasio's lap. Yeah, and you know what? It started, like you said, and many of the police officers, as you know, uh, turned their back on de Blasio at a number of the funerals. Uh, tomorrow, by the way, is the funeral, sadly, for the EMT worker who lost her life, stabbed in the middle of the day. We're going to be talking about that tomorrow night and a lot more, everybody. Jason, thank you for your service. We love our men and women in blue. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network.